What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. We just wrapped up our Seven Figure Runway and Seven Figure Altitude events, and they were absolutely incredible. There was one presentation from the Runway group that I think stood out, and I think all of you would want to hear it. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to share it with you because Adam Whitney did a great job of talking about marketing on a budget. So how do you market? How do you find deals? How do you find motivated sellers on a budget? Because I know a lot of you that are just getting started, the, the number one question I get is, you know, how much do I need to spend on marketing? So how can we show you how to drive leads, drive traffic, get some deals with a very small or limited marketing budget? And even big flippers and wholesalers should listen to this because there's probably some tactics and techniques in there that you could uh, implement in your business, even if you have a large marketing budget. So I thought this would hit everybody that listens to the show. And I, Adam did such a great job. It was We got feedback from everyone that was in the room that it was one of the best presentations that they heard. So I'm going to play um, Adam Whitney's presentation, Marketing on a Budget, at our Seven Figure Runway uh, event. And remember, if you want to join Seven Figure Runway or even talk about what that might look like and attend our next event, um, you know, watch the recording of everything that we did, just go to sevenfigurerunway.com. So the number sevenfigurerunway.com. If you can't remember that, you can click the link in the show description and, uh, and go there and check it out. You can schedule a call. You can talk to our team, see what it looks like and if you're a good fit. So, all right, I hope you guys enjoy the show. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. If I didn't have a big budget, where would, what's the next step to come down and bring my focus in and how do I specifically do that? I wanna talk a little more about that today and then what it actually takes to turn those leads into money. I'll set up because Lindsay will talk sales and what it takes for these. Um, Couple of things. First, like, what does it actually cost to do marketing? And this is kind of just general overview. Like, what does, if I have a $500, I'm gonna use $500 as kind of a baseline for marketing, talking about marketing on a budget here. It could be 250, it could be 250 bucks, but a postcard costs roughly 50 cents. So for every dollar, you can send about two postcards. To get list, there's, a zillion sources out there, but if you have a $99 a month subscription to PropStream or Batch Leads or any of those data providers and list evaluators, it's 100 bucks a month. So that's part of your equation. You can also buy from the niche list providers and you can call in text from a Google Voice number or from your cell phone for no additional money than you're spending right now does not cost you more money to do that. It only costs you your time and effort. Okay, fundamentals. These are just fundamental truths that and part of the process. You should not just go, I saw somebody else is attacking this list, so I'm just going to go attack this list. That is a recipe for failure because you don't know the context behind their marketing budget you don't know the context behind their market, what kind of data they have in there, what their avatar is in there. Like we talked about getting specific on our own markets and really understanding it. So you have to be very cognizant of that. You have to do this work first. 
you need to set a six-month budget. The reason you need to set a six-month budget is because you have to consistently do the same thing for six months to get a result. Direct mail that I send in January is highly unlikely to make money in January. It's probably making money February, March, April, May, probably March, April. Mail I sent in January makes money in March and April. So you have to understand that you don't just, the leads that come in most of the time do not just turn into a contract and then bring revenue directly into your business at the snap of a finger. It takes time. You get the lead, like you guys just, you guys got a lead from, was it, it was a phone call or mail? It was mail. And you didn't, how much mail did you send? I wasn't a lot, right? She sent out 60 pieces of mail and got a phone call. Lady's ready to go, gets a contract. Like that's actually really fast. That's not normally, that doesn't happen a lot, right? And now she signs a contract, she's gonna flip that house. She's not gonna bring money into her business for six months, right? So it's a delayed return. So you have to set a six month budget. And the reason you do it consistently every month, because January produces money in March, February produces money in April, so on and so forth. So it starts to build the level of consistency in your business. And it may only, depending on how small you go on marketing, like how niche your list goes, it may just take you six months to get those people to agree, but you have to stay in front of them. People have, there's some studies that say people have life-changing events every 90 days. You don't know what's going on in their life. You wanna be the one in front of them to help them when they have that event so they know you're an option for them. So there's fundamental. Understanding supply and demand. I alluded to Bill's video on list source, not spending money on list source, but going through list source and understanding how many cash buyers are in our market if you're a wholesaler, how many sales are happening in every zip code at every price point, like just really understanding that for your market to understand what the demand is, where are the most things selling normal MLS and at what price point, what zip code, and understanding demand is looking at, okay, where are the motivated sellers? Like, I'll, and I'll go through some of this. You have a buy box, you're, you're like, I, only, I don't want mobile homes, I don't want industrial, I want single family houses. That's fundamental, right? You're looking for single family houses by and large. You want, they have to have equity if you're trying to buy houses at a discount. If they don't have equity, you can't buy the house. So you have an equity filter. I need 50% or better equity as an example. Um, you need to have, know what price point you're targeting. If you have price points from, in a county from like 150 to $2 million, are you really gonna do deals on the $2 million side? Is that your focus? Is that where the demand is? If it's not, then you set the buy box when you're pulling these lists to exclude those things. So we're trying to get small and get really focused. The other part is thinking critically about what is going to sell, like what is gonna turn into a deal faster. One example that I have on here that's on the next, I think it's on the next slide, is absentee owner versus owner occupied. Which one's gonna be able to sell the house faster most of the time? Okay, so if I wanna make money faster, should I be touching owner occupied? I really need to make money. Should I really be touching owner occupied? 
Probably not. Probably not. That owner-occupied person has a whole nother step. They have to find a new place to live. They have to move out of the house. They're going to be a little more reluctant to do that than if I didn't live in the house and I did need to sell it. I can put it up for sale now. I can sell it to an investor now. It will be faster. Um, you need to, if your budget is 500 bucks, you can't mail the 30,000 absentee records in your market, right? So what do you, how are you going to get to the most motivated stuff? Are you going to stack different niches, like different, like foreclosure and all these different things to get to the, what's the best? What's the maybe five to 10 properties that are all on like five to 10 of these lists? How can I get to those and go really deep on those and actually get in contact and find out? Um, intentional driving for dollars. Driving for dollars is a term, a strategy. Some people call it, well, I say, what do you do for marketing? They say, I do driving for dollars. Driving for dollars isn't marketing. Driving for dollars is building a list. Marketing is what you do to get in front of that list of driving for dollar leads. But what driving for dollars does that's really powerful is it's fact-based. If you pull a list, it's based on aggregated data. Some of it is inaccurate, you don't know, or it's old, right? The periodicity of update is, is not high, so it's old data, and you're spending marketing dollars on data that's inaccurate. That happens, that's part of the process. But when you drive for dollars, and you see a house that's overgrown and dilapidated, that's a fact. Like, you know, you saw it with your eyeballs that that house, the condition of that property is poor. It has not been taken care of. That's like one thing you can control. You can confirm that. Um, and then how to get in front of these people and not spend a bunch of money. You can, if you go and drive to a house, it, it you're already driving. So your time is already spent. You see the house, you literally, there's, an, there's all kinds of apps. I can figure out who the owner is. I can do it on county website. I can even see their mailing address. I can either mail them a letter if it's absentee. I can even maybe just do a, like a little door hanger on it just in case they're gonna come back there. So you're already there. If, there's, if there are people that live in there, like go knock on the door. The only thing stopping you from getting that deal is your willingness to go knock on the door and have a conversation. So I think sometimes we create hurdles for ourselves. You can obviously call them. If you're an agent and you have forewarned, you can get that number very easy. You can go to the county websites, find out who the owner is. Um, if you have a Driving for Dollars app or Batchley's or PropStream, you can skip trace right in there. You can start there. Uh, and if you need to go deeper, like these guys over here said, like, oh, we have a house we really like, but none of the numbers on the initial skip trace work. You can go skip trace it with somebody else, it costs 12 cents to do like a skip trace at most places. Sometimes it's like up to 20 cents, but 20 cents to get a hold of somebody. There's maybe 50 grand on the other end of that phone call. So it's really just doing that part of it. Okay, this is, uh, there's a lot of stuff on here, but this is the next part of that like supply and demand and, and building out targets. I'm, I'm very intentionally focused in this presentation on this particular, on, on identifying what we would want to buy, supply and demand, building a list and going after them. There's other marketing channels that you don't control who comes through them, like 
Google Ads, pay per click, pay per lead, like you're not targeting those, so you just kind of get what you get and you've got to spend a lot of money. This is a way to get there very efficiently and target avatars that make sense for you, right? So first off, it depends on what the data in your market says. So if you use exactly what I do in Pensacola and you try to do it in San Diego, there may not be direct correlation because your market data is way different than mine. So you really need to understand what your data says in your greater market. And I'll show you some examples here. You pull your market up, you understand supply demand, you know the price point you're at, you know the equity you want. You might even know that you don't want anything older than 1950. And you can filter those out to get to a smaller list because people don't buy that or whatever the reason might be in your market, right? Um, so that's applying your buy box. Where is the activity that you're most likely to get, be able to sell that house or the flips will move quickly and at, a, at the price you want, there's a lot of demand. What's the shortest days on market? Like which ones move quickly, obviously. I just said that and what's the price point you're looking at? Equity filter, absentee is faster than owner occupied. Um, guaranteed accurate list, drive and see the property distress. So I can, I can take the buy box and the software that I'm using and take what I, the houses I see that are dilapidated and look them up in the software and see if they're on any of my other lists. Now I'm stacking, like, okay, it's absentee. Man, they got, they got tax bills they ain't paying. There you got a code violation lien. And I just went and looked at it, it's a dump. Like, I really need to do everything I can to get a hold of that homeowner. And I can do it for almost no cost, or maybe I send, I can handwrite a letter and pay the cost of uh, a postage stamp. But that's not enough. I should be calling that person too, because I want to get there quickly, and I should also be texting them. Like, your list will be so small and so focused, there's no reason you can't have a hundred really motivated records and your only small goal, like Jeff was saying, like just focusing on the little wins is to go, I have a hundred records to get through. My whole purpose in life is to get in contact with the owner and then ask the simple question, are you interested in selling your property and getting a yes? Once you get to that point and you've confirmed yes or no on all hundred records, there's probably a deal or two in that if you've went this far. Um, what are other things to look at that you can maybe get for no cost? If you're willing to learn your county and get accounts with your county record websites, the count, literally Google county, Wayne County, Michigan property appraiser site and start kind of there. Wayne County code violation site and start to look at what information you can get on there. Wayne County clerk site. The, the clerk site is where all the les pendants and $100 sales happen. All the legal documentation for a transaction goes there. And they're, they're public servants, so those records are typically public records. In the U.S., not, maybe not so much in Canada, um, but in the U.S., it's still really powerful. $100 sales, if you've heard this term or seen me post it, I want you to think about this. If you looked up, you can look this up on some of the data providers too, but the county is the best. If you looked up $100 sales, what does that mean? Does anybody know what that means? I know you know what that means. You probably did 200 deals from that. 
transferred ownership. So you can literally screen. I just want to see all the transactions that happen from $100 to $1,500. Because on the other end of that, like, why would somebody transfer ownership for $100? It's usually maybe somebody passed away and the property went to the next person family, like an inheritance. Inheritance is unique because oftentimes there's not an emotional attachment to that property. You know, as bad as this sounds, when somebody passes away and they have some stuff, like the families are like, what are, how are we divvying this up? What are we getting? Do, who, does anybody want to move into that house? Does, do we just sell it and split it because there's multiple kids? People, some of the people in the family are like, I want the money now. Let's get it sold. So if you have a cash offer, that may work for those types of deals. And that would happen pretty quickly because if that's a $100 sale and it happened recently and that, that family's talking about let's, let's get the cash out of this and sp split it between everybody, they often want to do that quickly. So that's something to consider. So this is just really taking it a layer deeper. I know there's a lot of uh, interest in foreclosure because Colin Spivey crushed it in Tennessee with foreclosure, but there's, you can't just go, Colin did foreclosure amazingly, so therefore I can do foreclosure amazingly without understanding how foreclosure works in your state. Colin's in a non-judicial state. There's like a 60-day clock when those things go to foreclosure. He's got a very dialed-in timeline. If you come to Florida, it's a judicial state, meaning that stuff goes to the courts, it gets bogged down in the courts, and those foreclosures can last 18 months, 24 months. So maybe I don't go after foreclosures in the state if I'm judicial. Maybe I go after auctions, because auctions, they're on a timeline. That thing is going to sale, and there's usually a date that's public on the county website. Here's what's really powerful. Usually the county websites say what the final payoff is. So you already know what it's going to cost to get that thing bought and how much equity there could be on it if you flipped it. There's a spread there that you can literally put in a spreadsheet and look at it. So it's just thinking a layer deeper and taking your budget and saying, I can, I'm going to do postcards, I'm going to call these people, and I'm going to text these people. I'm going to build the best list of 100 leads, and I'm going to do everything it takes to get in contact with all 100 of those homeowners, every single one. Because if you call through that list and I say, well, how many did you get in contact with? And you say five people answered, and you're like, I'm just not getting a deal. I'll know that like, there's still a deal in there. Do you really want a deal? Go with those other 95 people. Are they on Facebook? You know who they are. Are they on LinkedIn? Doesn't cost you anything to send them a DM. Like, how far are you willing to go to actually answer the question, do they have a house and do they want to sell? And the ones that are the hardest to get a hold of are usually the best because most people won't go the extra step to find them. If you skip trace them with two or three different people and none of the numbers are accurate. You've, somebody's answered those phones or you've got voicemails, you can confirm that none of those numbers are actually accurate. So the skip tracing is not active. That means all the other cold callers, all the other investors looking at that property are running against that same obstacle. If you sent them mail two times, three times, and it returned, that means nobody can mail them either or they, don't have, they haven't done the work to find the right address. 
if you go reverse engineer them on social engineering on social media and start to figure out where they live so you can find out zero in on their address that starts to get more powerful you get in front of that person and you might get that deal that nobody else can get that's the layer deeper that you need to get to and it all starts with actually setting the budget and committing to exactly and dialed in getting the most motivated things, critically thinking about them and stacking a list that makes sense. The normal buy box still applies. It needs to be in these zip codes. It needs to be this square footage or it needs to have this much equity. That is a standard buy box you apply even if you're marketing for wholesaling to, to bring your list down. Here's, a, here's what I've seen people do that's, I, I, you know, I, I don't think is the most advantageous. They go, okay, absentee owner, like that's the kind of known industry standard list. It's a good list. And you pull up, you look at absentee owners in your market and there's 10,000 of them. And you're like, well, my budget's 500. So you pull only a, a thousand random out of the 10,000 you mail them. That, that gives you a less chance. Your, your chance to get a deal decreases by doing that. So you have to find out the ones who are most of the 10,000 who has other factors that would make them more likely to sell to you? Really, really critical that you're willing to do that work. Yeah, Jason May said quick claim deed. You can literally pull quick claim deeds off of the county records. And, and hey, you might call 100 people and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm not selling this house. Totally normal thing. That's okay. That's negative information is still quality information because it narrows my focus. If I get through 50 people and I get 35 that tell them that I am confident they're not selling that house or it's sold or something happened, that's 35 people that come off my focus. Now I've only got the additional 65 people that I'm zeroed in on and I'm calling and following up and doing deep dives. That negative information is actually good for you. It's starting to zero in your focus. Your goal is to get those people out of your ecosystem and get the ones who I get positive contact, they do have a house and they do want to sell and I have validated they have all these, these factors involved in why they would want to sell at a discount. They don't always sell at a discount, but their factors are there. That's allowing you to focus. All right, stacking. You can stack data in any of the subscription services. I'm not advocating that you pay a dollar for anything. I'm just telling you these are open to you. Spreadsheets work perfectly fine. Spread, if, you're, if you're decent at Google Sheets or Excel, spreadsheets work perfectly fine. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna go into the, what I would say is the adversary, the enemy's territory, Columbus, Ohio, where the, uh, that team down south lives. I'm a Michigan guy, so I don't know anything about the Columbus market. Like, I want to give you just a little example of how I would like start to get into this data so you have more tangible, tactile things here. Like, I just went to Redfin and said, Columbus, Ohio, like, what's the price point there? What's going on in that market? That's oh, like two, what does that say, 250? December, they had 733 sales, and their average days on market is 43 days. Now I'm baselined on that city. Across all their zip codes, which I'm sure there are some high-end stuff that's bringing that number up, that's, that's where the median is. Okay, I, I got it. Now I can look at the greater data. I can understand the market a little better. 
Um, okay, so I go on to list source. This is not unique. There's a whole video on supply and demand. So I just wanted to show, I, I did this in like three minutes. Um, this morning I added this to the thing because I wanted to give you an actual example. It literally took me, I did exactly what Bill said to do in assessing supply and demand or going into a new market. I went to list source, I searched single family properties, and on the left you can see the results. You can see my exact filter, which is exactly what Bill said to do when he made the video years ago in the first place. So on here you see I'm looking at Columbus, Ohio, I'm looking at uh, Cash sales, so I'm looking at 99 to 100% equity. So I'm just looking at cash sales because I wanted to see investor activity. I wanted to understand that. I'm looking at sale date, less market sale date, past year. I'm only looking at single family residential. I'm not looking at two to four units. I just want to know houses right now. Um, I put on here their mailing address is complete and their absentee owners. So like, where are these cash sales happening with the absentee owner properties? I looked at that, so I see that in the last year, 958. I don't really know what that 958 means. It doesn't really mean much to me. I just know that these cash sales, this investor activity um, is happening. So then I go to purchase list, purchase partial list, and I export the Excel document, which then breaks it down by zip code. And I can do this for normal sales too, by the way. I'm just showing the cash sale example. I could take the equity filter off and just look at sales, right? So then I, it, it emails you a spreadsheet by zip code. All I did was sort it by most transactions. These are cash, you could do all. And then I just did a little, uh, I divided the zip code transactions by the total at the top and made a percentage. Like wh what percentage of these cash transactions are happening in what zip code? Like, okay, cool. Then I can go into Redfin and look at each zip code. Okay, well, what's the price point at this zip code? What's the, what number of homes sold last month? And I might even look at previous months to see where it's trending, but it does tell me. Four, it went down 4.8% year over year. I don't feel that bad about it. I don't think that's negative data because the market transactions across the country went down exponentially over the year. So I'm like not too concerned. Okay, 40 day, 42 days on market. Like that seems to be, pretty consistent. And what I was doing was I went to each one and I said, what's the medium price point? And I would do this for all the zip codes. What's the days on market and how many homes sold the previous months? And I might compare that. Is it up or down? How are those transactions going? But before I go buy data and I focus down on zip codes to reduce my list size so I can be the most targeted and add all the things, like I have to understand, I have to understand the market. Um, so I would do this to go, okay, where, where are the most transactions? What's the right price point? I like one, I like this top zip code. It's really interesting to me. These top two zip codes, they're below the Columbus median. The days on market are commensurate with it. Uh, previous houses sold uh, is, you know, about what the other ones are. One's 87. I might look at population in those zip codes. Is it just less houses there? What's going on? but I'm, I'm building my understanding of the market. Then I'm taking it to like a software to look at the different lists they have, or I'm looking at lists and I'm just comparing it. You can see I took those three zip codes. All I did was take those three zip codes and I put a base filter on. Single family houses, 50% more equity, 
and this location, three specific zip codes. And all of these things have like a, a tile that tells you some different information. In that zip code, in those three zip codes, it's telling me that there's 10,000 absentee owners. Like, okay, it's a good amount of absentee owners. I would probably compare that to total properties. Like, what percentage of this market is absentee owner? Is, that, is there a big, tired landlord population? Tells me right now there are 70 pre-foreclosures. It's $35 to mail to just the 70 pre-foreclosures. It's 35 bucks to get mail out if you went to a mail house. You could probably... Seven, I could probably write 70 letters on a weekend. You, if you got older kids, you know, hey, I give you, I give you 25 cents a letter or something. Get them right, and I know, I know people who do that. How many of them are vacant? A lot of times, properties that are vacant are going to be faster to sell, easier, to, easier for that homeowner to detach with that property. There's nobody living in it. There's no tenant. It's just flat out vacant, right? The data sometimes is not always correct, so just keep that in mind. It says you have, they have some filter, some algorithm for tired landlords, probably owned it for a long time, you know, they, it, it's been vacant so many times, whatever their algorithm is for that. A lot of high equity properties here. It's got a special filter that says absentee with 60% or greater equity. Hey, there's 4,200 of those, right? At, at half of that is, um, what, 50, uh, 20, 2100 bucks to mail all those. So I'm just considering that. How many are 65 years and older if I'm going after the owner-occupied, potentially those downsizing community? And then there are things, there are really simple things that you can stack on there like canceled listings. Canceled listings, think about that. When you start having conversations, this will this will make a lot of sense to you. If somebody's listing goes expired or canceled, they've already tried to sell their house. So if you get a new lead right now from an absentee list and you're the first person that they're exploring selling their house with, their resistance to price is gonna be higher, generally speaking. They're like, in their mind, they can get more money. If they canceled with their agent or they're expired, they've already tried something. And then you, Lindsay's gonna probably talk about like what you would, you just gotta ask a great question. What have you already done? What have you already tried to sell this house? And then they're gonna tell you all the reasons that it didn't work. You're gonna say, great, I think I can help you. Here's how I think I can help, here's how I think I can work with you. Are you, you know, would you, would you be interested? Like it's not, not that complicated. Absentee plus liens, absentee plus code violations. Do you know the code violation um, standard policies in your counties? What happens with code violations? So what is a code violation? Any, yeah, so like put yourself in the city shoes. You're the magistrate. Why would a city give you a fine for a code violation. What is their intent? Fix it. They want you to fix it. They want the city to look nice. Okay. A lot of counties, a lot of cities, and then you don't do it. So they're only, the carrot is the neighborhood and the city looks nice. It brings up values. Obviously that's not working for somebody who's not obliging. So then they bring the stick. The stick's like $25 a day code violation. 
but you don't ever change. And two years goes by, and that code violation is running up to tens of thousands of dollars. And maybe the house is only worth 100 grand in the first place. Okay, so what will the city do if you buy that and fix those? You're a new owner. What's the city's policy? Are they going to charge me the $25,000? Some, yes. Some will not negotiate. Many, however, have like kind of standard rules in place. It's like uh, in Polk County, Florida, it's $2,500 or 10% of the violation once you fix it, whichever is less. So we did a deal that had a, two code violations totaling $190,000. Most people look at that and go, you can't do a deal. They, that, that lien is too much money. It cost us six grand. It was a $6,000 cost. We got the deal for 100 grand. It had 190,000 in violations. The violations ended up being six grand. So it's really understanding your market, the data in your market, and building an, a list intentionally with critical thought. You cannot just take, oh, this guy's killing it with absentee, or Colin's killing it with foreclosure, so therefore I will kill it with foreclosure without knowing what, how foreclosure works in your state, your city, your county. Like you have to know in order to provide the same level of service Colin is providing in foreclosures. Like that's all he's focused on. He knows everything about it. He knows every, he took the time to learn and talk to every attorney who does it in the state. He's got a great system. He dove deep. I need you guys to dive deep so you can spend the smallest amount of money and get the biggest amount of return to get revenue in your business so you can start to actually build it out and systematize it. And if you're not gonna go deep into the understanding, you're gonna spend, you're gonna waste money and I don't wanna see you waste money. I wanna see you be efficient with your spend. I wanna see you get to the deal the fastest way possible. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was one of my favorite presentations at the event. It was some feedback that we got was absolutely incredible. And I hope that you take it and do something with it. So take these ideas and these concepts and implement them inside of your business. Right after this, Lindsay Arco came up and talked about sales and negotiation. It was an amazing one-two punch. So um, what I'm going to push you to do is I'm going to push you to go fill out an application, sevenfigurerunway.com. Jump on a call with my team. And on that call, if you want to get Lindsay's presentation, they will send it to you for free. You don't have to buy Runway. You don't have to join the program. Just book a call with us. Talk to my team and staff. Get on a, cons a consult with them. They're going to tell you your next steps. They're going to give you some ideas. We can do a, a personality profile survey as well. There's all kinds of stuff that that's going to help you with, whether you join us in Runway or not. And then on that call, say, hey, I listened to Bill's podcast. He told me that if I jumped on a call with you guys, I could also get Lindsay's presentation. This is a one-two punch that's really, really going to help you. But I want you to be serious. So fill out the application, jump on a call with my team, and then I'll send you that presentation too for free. And you can do that right at sevenfigurerunway.com. So go to sevenfigurerunway.com, the number seven, figurerunway.com. Fill out an application. Tell them you want Lindsay's presentation too. Put these two together and watch what happens. All right, I will see you guys on the next show. Bye.